Today on the show, indie artist Levi Weaver talks the myth of mystique, living it for a year on tour with his family, and so much more on episode 74 of Who Writes This Stuff? Hello and welcome to Who Writes This Stuff? I'm your host, Nick Flora, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you guys, it's Levi Weaver Day on the podcast, uh, which I'm sure you're aware of. I'm sure you're not just randomly closing your eyes and clicking on iTunes and you don't know what you clicked on. Uh, Levi's a great artist uh, who lived in Nashville, literally moved <laughs> the day after we recorded this and uh, was going to move to Seattle, but uh, which we mentioned in, in the show, but ended up in Dallas because life, it's like a box of Adidas. I don't remember how that line goes. So... Uh, if you aren't familiar with with Levi, uh, he's he's a really great, interesting artist and very uh, has a lot of really interesting things things to say. And if you if you are familiar with him, then you already know this, and I won't go any further because uh, why would I do that to you? Uh, Levi and I have known each other sort of peripherally. We played a show together a while back, um, but uh, and you know on the internet the way you know people. But uh, this is the first time we really got to sit down and, and have a good chat. And uh, boy, <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, in the best way. This is the dude with a life lived, and don't let him convince you otherwise. Uh, I think you'll really get a lot out of, out of this episode. If anything else, people, stick around for his bad show experience at the end. But the whole thing is great. Trust me. Uh, so let's not waste any time, honestly. I can't hype it up and just go into other wacky segments. Here's my chat with Levi Weaver. What's weird is the older that I get, like when I was 20 years old, I was the most interesting thing in the world. I wanted wait, to, wait, to you or to Yeah, you? to me, to me. I, I wanted to talk about myself and all these cool dreams and ideas that I had. And now the older I get, I'm just like, can we just talk about like philosophy or Well, the, we can talk about anything. Or that's any, what... any, yeah, no, it's not me. I don't care. I'm so bored with myself. I think that's what it is more than anything. Like. And I feel like I'm doing the most interesting things career-wise or whatever now in my life. Yeah. But I'm just, I am sort of done with. Yeah, it's like I've had to live inside this guy for 35 years. I'm, just, I'm sick of him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not over yet. No. Knock on wood. Hopefully, yeah. Oh my gosh, what if this comes out and we're both dead? And everybody's like, well. They, they, they brought that on themselves. <laughs> they jinxed it. But we don't even feel bad. It's, that was Nick's fault. <laughs> it usually is. Uh, you, I have found out a lot about you in the okay. last, in the last 10 hours that I didn't know, uh, because I, I <laughs> do you, a lot of research before yeah, these. Were you, were you cramming last minute? Yeah, always. You well, want, I, you want to know a secret? I on love the, on the drive here. I was actually listening to your podcast with Andrew <laughs> Peterson too. Like, isn't that what we do though? Like, it's just sort of like, I just need to know enough. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, I do that with people who want to go to like coffee, like other musicians who are mm -hmm. like, Hey, would you want to like talk about like, you know, how to get into this or how to get into that? You know, just not even career advice, just right. like to get a feel for Nashville or whatever. Yeah. And, I'll, and I will, yeah, I'll look them up on the way over oh, yeah. and be like, what's this dude's deal? And so I never expect anybody else to do it, but I'm always like, I, I want to like, I totally do. And while I'm doing it, I think I'm being clever. Like, oh, I'm going to just. Oh no, I just happen to know this stuff about yeah. oh yeah, no, I know who you are. And then I always feel so disingenuous that the first thing I do is like, okay, I looked you up. Yeah, I'll oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll just lay myself. it out there. Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I have no interest in 
trying to feign some, some sort of like mysterious, like, Oh, I'm, I've been following you for a while. Right, like, right. <laughs> like I have, I'm, I have a lot the of desire to feign that sort of thing, but I just never can get away with no. them. My, my conscience. You, you do something really interesting, which, uh, uh, I, I think just comes innate. I don't think it's a thing that you can learn to do in, unless you just really try really hard for me anyway, which you, you have like a mystique, are you, like me specifically or yeah, just like you. the general you as Levi Weaver. Okay. I feel like you have a mystique and you either have that as an artist or you don't. Wow. And I, I have the, You've seen my Twitter account, right? Yeah. But I think Twitter is, but if you didn't have Twitter, I think you would still be like, I, I don't know. You don't agree with that. You know yourself I, better. Yeah, You're tired of yourself. I so yeah, I, I think you I, have mystique. I think, mean, but even in that, like you have like a, your, your music and everything sort of is a little bit, darker more mm. serious you sort of have this sort of whole thing around you that that oh, creates weird. it and it's a thing know. that i've i chased for a long time and then i just eventually was like i'm just gonna be dopey put food, foot and mouth guy yeah so that's just gonna be maybe the thing i should that I just am. delete my twitter account because i feel like that is where all of the dopey stuff goes <laughs> or like, just tweet stuff that like like will smith's kid tweets just the <laughs> weirdest <laughs> like just vague abstract how can things. mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real mm. LW, but yeah. you just send it out in the world. I, it, it is, but I feel like it, you could do that and people wouldn't be like, Levi's lost his mind. They'd be like, he's, he's this, really? he's this quiet genius. Wow. No, I, I, that's, this is news to me. I, I hope <laughs> just, you're right. I'm just letting you know, you know, that's, that's my perception of you. Yeah. See, I've been married now for, for almost eight years, about seven and a half years. And like, I live with a woman who I, I knew this before we got married and I love this about her. Like there's just no mystique. She's not let me get away with mystique. And I don't mean that in the sense of like <laughs> that I am henpecked by any means. Sure. But, but she is just like, she is such a, a solid like standard of sanity for me that she's just does That's not really good. If, if I start to go off the rails or do something extra mystique or mysterious, she will kind of just chuckle at me like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you're <laughs> Would you, the baby's diaper needs to be changed. Would you just go do that? Well, that's, like, that's the thing. Even like, cause I think like the king of mystique is like Jack White, like somebody oh, like sure, that who yeah. just, who but he's been divorced like 11 times. So. <laughs> that's also true. Yeah. Uh, but the, then there are guys like that were like, clearly like, that's not a person that can exist in the world that we live in. Right. They are here from some other place. Right. And, uh, and I, it's you Michigan. know, yeah, <laughs> that's what's funny, and also the same thing with Madonna. Like Madonna's from Michigan, right? Like so many people. Is she from Michigan? I thought she was from New York. No, she's like this Michigan, like outside of Detroit. She came rough side of the tracks. But she Check. thinks she thinks she's from England, though. She doesn't know where she's from. I lived in England for a couple of years, uh -huh. and I was so careful not to get an accent because that was just about the same time Madonna had moved there. Ooh. And after like two weeks, all of a sudden, she would have her interviews and a hello, and I pick know, this up in two weirdest. weeks. Like, what are you? You're not from here. And then she would talk like, yeah, you would think she was from like Brooklyn or something. Yeah. She has this kind of like, like, hey. What kind yeah, of like thing going when on? she's in New York, she just will speak like that. And then she's in England, and like, oh, when in Rome. I know. It's Well, she was married to a British dude for a long time. Yeah. But that still, like, I dated an English girl, and I didn't start. <laughs> is it hard when you're over there to not take on the accent because it's mm -hmm. everywhere? No, for me it was easy um, because, well, because accents for me, my my entire adult life have been something that I really, really notice. And me too. Um, so when I grew up, I listened to old recordings of myself as a teenager, and I grew up in Texas, mm -hmm. and I had this really awful accent, like. Like that. It was really. I was about to say, like, you don't sound like you have a Texas accent yeah. at all. And when I started traveling, uh, and I would, I would listen to other people's accents, and I thought, oh, that's cool. That's I can't tell where they're from, and mm -hmm. those were always the people that I 
thought like, oh, he sounds well-spoken. I don't I don't know where he's from. And then I would hear myself and I'd be like, wow, he sounds really well-spoken. I wonder where he's from. Oh, what is wrong with my voice? Yeah. So I just, I dropped it. And it was, it was, it only took me a few months of being intentional about like, so the one word I remember was pin. So, so P I N that's that's pin. If you're writing with something, that's not a pin. That's a pen. Pin pen. Yeah. There's a little bit of a eh. slight, slight difference, but that's an E not an I. And, um, and I, so as I would drop words and begin to pronounce them correctly. So then when I moved to England, I was sort of still hyper aware of the way I said words Mm -hmm. and didn't want to be Madonna. Um, (laughs) what I did do was I would change my speech pattern because I've always, I've always been a communicator. I've always wanted to like, there's speech is weird. There are emotions and thoughts happening inside my body. And then I interpret them into sound waves. And then you hear those sound waves and go, I think I interpret this the same way you did. I think I understand what yeah. was happening inside your brain. Um, and that's been the whole point of communication is to most accurately depict what is happening inside here. So um, it's it was distracting for me when I would say like, hey, could you give me a call at 1030? And they were, oh my gosh, give me, did you hear a that? Call. Give me a call at 1030. Ha <laughs> ha. And uh, like, okay, well, how what do they you... say? Give me a ring. Yeah, just give me a ring around half ten. Whoa! And so I would, I would start, you know, using British words, or which is even more annoying if you're speaking to an American that uses British phrases. I just mm-hmm. don't do it here. Um, but even I was over there a couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I slipped right back into it, where I would use British phrasing, but I'd refuse to change my accent. Like that's right. Uh, thus far, and no further. Like I'm not gonna pretend to be somebody that I'm not, but I, I will speak your language, which is give me a ring at half 10. So that's it. Oh, I forgot to turn off my phone. So how dare you? Listeners. How unprofessional, uh, <laughs> how unprofessional you to come to a podcast that's in somebody's house. Um, no, that's something I, I used to think about all the time. I used to put a lot of energy and was trying to adapt to whatever situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. And now it's just turned into, I'll just be this. It's a slightly different version of me. I sort of adapt to whatever, mm-hmm. like, Whatever energy is being brought to me, I'll yeah. sort of meet that. It's exhausting, isn't it? Trying to adapt to so adapt. exhausting. Yeah, like I, I feel like that's a that's a twenties thing too. Once you is. sort of get in your thirties, it's sort of like I'm just gonna do this. What I know, yeah. You start owning up to it. And there's for me, it was finding a balance between like because when you're in your twenties, for me anyway, it wasn't until about twenty five that I really went, okay, this is who I am. Like mm-hmm. I, there are clearly some things that I still need to fix and that I want to do differently, but. I'm just going to be me. And for the first time in my life, like that was okay to be me because I was super insecure as a teenager. And like, what, yeah, what's, what's good. I, I know that I want to do these things, but I don't know if they're okay. And I grew up in a really small town and then I got to like change my accent. And mm-hmm. so, you know, doing these, doing these things to change, change, get better, get better, get better. And eventually going, you have a good framework here. It's you, the skeleton's fine. Continue to tweak. And so finding that balance between like, I'm going to be myself um, and then the, the other side of the pendulum that you don't want to hit is like, screw you. You can't make me do nothing. I'm me. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> and, uh, you don't want to be that guy either. Like be being aware of faults still that are faults and, and continuing to improve and to get better and to learn, yeah. um, while at the same time maintaining, like you kind of need a skeleton of solid like this this is me like i i don't like cucumbers i'm just not gonna eat cucumbers like and it's okay yeah i don't have to eat cucumbers to be popular and 
And, and that's well, I don't know, Levi. I think you might need to. Let's not. I'll edit that part out because okay. I don't want people to know that you don't eat cucumbers. Sorry, cucumbers. It's a really big. In the, the future, take on, I know on the podcast. But I feel like I'm I'm that way with. You also sort of you sort of spoke to it, but not being obnoxious with the things that you're against too. Right. I'm sort of. I sort of fell into that because I'm not a big sports fan, just in general. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it's really fun to poke fun at people who go lose their mind oh, yeah. on the internet over games and stuff. Uh, I was about to say sports games, which nobody calls them that, except yeah. for people who aren't into uh, sports. But the, the sports ball people. I, yes, the sports balls aren't really uh, the sports balls fans. They're not. They're not crazy about it when you sort of poke fun at the thing they love. Yeah. But then I just realized like somebody kind of like politely sort of was like, Hey, um, maybe don't crap on the people who love this thing. Right. Just because you don't. Right. And it's cause I love nothing more than when people get so bent out of shape yeah. during March madness or whatever. And it's so fun to be like, Oh, that thing that holds no bearing to you at all. And right. like, you, they don't know you exist at all. Like that thing is, is disrupting your life. And yeah. because I have those things that I'm super nerdy oh, about too, clearly that really rile me up. And, but I've just learned to be like, you know what? Everybody has their thing. And I can see both sides of that so clearly because I'm a huge baseball fan. Like, yeah. huge baseball fan. I would fan. say that's, I, I sports in general, but like, I, I do love baseball because I used to play it. Yeah. And I still like follow it to a degree. Yeah. But it's kind of this, for me, it's, I'm starting to see the role of sports. Like when I was younger, it was this really important thing. And now it's just kind of this, um, like I do some baseball writing in my spare time. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Like, I'm like an embarrassingly large baseball fan. But, um, that's so interesting. Yeah. Wait, what kind of writing, like, as in like, uh, you're well, writing short actually, stories no, about actually, baseball players actually or got you're... an offer last year, just as we moved into the RV, um, which the spoiler alert, I guess before we get into that, Oh, we're going to get into that. Um, <laughs> but I got a, I got an offer to write about the Texas Rangers for the ABC affiliate. Oh, Dallas. wow. So I was going to be like a blogger for the, how did that come about? Just because just you putting it I, out there. Yeah. I had written, uh, an article for a local blog, um, and I will I will spare you the boring details and the statistics that I looked up, but it, I was I was proud of it, and um, and then there was a job opening, and so I just submitted that article and went. I wrote this, and the guy goes, "Could you write me a couple more pieces just to see, like, since you don't really have much of a yeah. resume?" And I went, yeah, so I wrote him a couple more pieces. Uh, that was during the 2013 season, and 2014 came around, and he went, "Hey, we're hiring. You know, we'd like to offer you a job." And I filled out the thing, and then I just went, "Look, man, I'm about to move into an RV. I don't know how many." games I'm actually going to get to see this season. Mm -hmm. What I don't want to do is take the job and then get fired for being bad at it. Yeah. But I don't know how this is all going to go. So I might ask you for a job next year <laughs> if, uh, if this is a disaster. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I may end up writing for them this year. We'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like that level of, of sports fan, but back to the, the original point, like I see now that it is like, we live in a world where we've got civil rights issues, Mm. worldwide and we've got you know opponents of putin being murdered in the open street and yeah we've got you know the i just watched the john oliver thing on infrastructure and mm. like all of these really big horrible things that i also can't do anything about um i mean i can on a personal level do something about you know maybe being a, an ally for for uh, minority rights or things like right. that. But, but really like I am not personally going to walk up to Capitol Hill and change the law. I'm not going to walk up to a police chief and be like, Hey, could you just like not like chill? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so sports for me is one of those things where like I can just, it's the same, same role. I think that movies fill for some people or music where like I can just sit and just relax and stop thinking about stuff for a while. Mm -hmm. And 
if I allowed myself to get so enraged about all the really actually bad stuff, I would just walk around screaming all day long. All day long. So why not take three hours, scream at a baseball game, and get it get all it, out? Get it all. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And there, are, there's no real like if my team wins the World Series, that's that's amazing, and I'm gonna love it. And it feels good. Yeah. And if they lose, as they so heartbreakingly did in 2011, Wait, who's your team? The Texas Rangers. Okay. Um, you know. Uh, allow that sort of cathartic like no i will hate this forever i will never forget yeah. this but it doesn't matter your sister shoes my father's vest i'm just trying to keep myself composed making promises in borrowed clothes i'll be black and you be white i'll be left and you be right i'll be You're the one I love from now until we die And I can't wait to start this new life So let the song begin While all the candles shake Whatever's past is gone We've got a brand new slate Forever's on our tongue, no matter what it takes, and I am not afraid. Because there's like that level of super fan, like dude, yeah. the, dude that paints his face and gets real hammered and goes to the stadium and like hurls abuse at the players, sure. hurls abuse at anybody wearing the opposing jersey, like that guy. Um, Nobody likes that guy. I, I hate that, that guy. guy hates that guy. Yeah, but when I begin to recognize sports in that, um, in that context for me, I realize like he's probably got a lot more going on. And oh, absolutely. So maybe have some grace for that guy. It's also, I, I get it because I love, I'm sort of a hypocrite cause I love going to large sporting events. Mm. And when I'm there, I sort of get it. Like, yeah. I don't really care about, I'm not a competitive person, mm. which, uh, I think speaks volumes for my career uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I don't really feel like I'm up against anybody. I just don't enjoy competition in general, even if it's for fun, really? but I get being a part of a bigger thing. Yeah. Like when you're there, you're like, you know, it's like going to anything, like seeing, going to a, a, you know, an arena and seeing a concert or whatever it is, yeah. you feeling like you're a part of a bigger thing yeah. is an addicting feeling. It's, I totally get why structured religion has worked for so long. Cause it's so powerful to be, especially singing in general, yeah is a cathartic thing to get out of your get out of your oh my own gosh. stupid head for a little bit. You want to know the coolest sports slash music related thing that's happened to me this year? Yes. Um, a, a few years ago, I wrote a song and my friend Gary Nock in England re-recorded the vocals and some of the production and it got placed on a Mars chocolate ad in England. Played, I read about that today. Played for like a year on TV and that was really cool. That is but cool. But then he rewrote the words to be about Aston Villa, the, the soccer team. Okay. And... He made it all about Aston Villa and he sent it to them, somehow got in touch with their PR guy. The guy loved it. And so now they play it at the stadium and you That's get like amazing. a stadium full of people singing along with this song that I originally wrote. Yeah. And it's still got some of my production and my background vocals are on it still. That's awesome. So we got to go when I was there, we got to go to an Aston Villa <laughs> match and I have video of just like the stadium singing this song at the end. They only play it when they win because it's like right. this up-tempo like... Dun, 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 dun. 
And that's amazing. And I've got just video of these people singing this song. How did that feel? Amazing. <laughs> How could it not? And I'm I'm there with the guy whose voice is singing the song. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that wrote the music mm-hmm. and the original song. And we're just, nobody knows who we are. We're just like sitting there anonymously, like huge smiles on our faces. Yeah. Being, like this is the best thing ever. Yeah. That's was, the coolest. I was just, yeah. There, there's a little bit. Do you, do you have that where people come and to your shows and request songs that oh, yeah. are really old and yeah. you're like, Oh man, I, like you forgot that you had written that song. I, yeah. It's not so much that I forgot because I'm really, I'm one of those people that you have a memory up, for all of your stuff. And I know I may not be able to remember how to play it, but if it was ever released, I remember the song because like for, well, sure. Yeah. For a 12 song album, I'll probably write like you hear about, Ryan Adams or Bob Dylan or somebody, right? We wrote 85 songs and cut the best 10. For a 12-song album, I'll write like 14 songs. Me too. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't really write a whole lot that doesn't get used. Um, but my thing is like old like old breakups. So there's one song, song that I play called Witch Drink, and it's got the most loop pedals and I write the violin bow. And like, mm-hmm. It's the most complicated song that I play live, and so that's the one that people still request. I'm like, geez, I broke up with that girl a decade ago. <laughs> And I don't care anymore. Yeah. And so you have to find ways to trick yourself into caring because you don't want to just stand up there with a bored look on your face and like punish them for requesting a no. song. Um, so yeah, I mean, I still play it and and I, I don't even really have to be asked. Like I know that's the one people are going to want to hear. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, That's the same way. Like, uh, I mean, I've, it rarely happens that I get to talk to somebody that, at the level where they have like a major hit on the radio or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. Whenever I get to whatever, I, I love asking that question because I was like, how do you even because I've had people I've never had like a hit on the radio, but I have people who come up and request a song that I clearly wrote in a state where I've evolved from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying, like I broke up with that chick 10 years ago and you and I was like, how do I make this so it doesn't come across false? Mm-hmm. You sort of have to put on, you know. Oh, yeah. You trick yourself in any number of any number of ways. I mean, you kind of have to do that anyway, because you have to act like you're not playing that song for the 700th time. Right. Oh yeah. Any, even if it's like on the new record, you have mm-hmm. to pretend. You have to sort of. Oh, the first time you play it live, you've already played it five hundred times. I know people Easily. don't. People don't realize that. Yeah. You played it fifty to sixty times when you're writing it, and then as you're explaining it to your band, and yep. then you're charting it, and then you're recording, recording it. it, and then and then you start rehearsing for so you know five hundred times, but literally probably at least a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Before you Easily. Play it live. Yeah. And you, you have to feel. That's why I have a few friends that are comedians and I follow a lot of comedians and it's, mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't know how they get up there and they're like, you know what I was thinking the other day? And they just go into a, yeah. like I've told, I tell stories over and over again and I'm like, I mean, it's kind of fun because you know, the person hasn't heard it and it's fun to right. see their reaction. And you maybe like get better little tiny details every time you're right. like, Oh, that worked last I time. I need to somebody, cut this part out. Right. Somebody <laughs> thought that I thought that was going to be funny and they didn't. So maybe mm-hmm. I won't say that next time. Same thing with setting up songs. Like you're just yeah. like, well, that clearly doesn't, maybe the song doesn't need to be set up at right. all. Or maybe I could just say like five words to set it up in a sentence instead yeah. of, maybe I don't tell that part that embarrasses my wife. <laughs> And I leave that out next time. Alienates, yeah. And she's standing in the back of the room every show. That's that could be uncomfortable. Uh, I I want to talk to you about moving into this RV. We're okay, not going to yeah. gloss over this. Okay. What was this decision? Mm-hmm. And uh, what I I want to I have so many questions. First okay. off, I didn't know you were in an RV. I follow you on Instagram and stuff. So I see. I just thought you were a madman who who's just traveling in a car uh-huh. all over the country, yeah, playing a million shows. I mean, what was the decision? I was a madman traveling all over the country in an RV playing shows, which is a little bit less mad. And and, because I was like, at least you have like a little bit. (laughs) What was the decision to do this? Well, um, the the entire time that I've been traveling. So this 
this all really started for me in 2006. I did a tour with Imogen Heap. It's mm-hmm. the reason that I moved back from England because I couldn't get enough vacation time for my job there. So I got like parted ways and I had to leave because I didn't, no longer had a visa. Um, so I moved to Nashville and, and I just, just started traveling. Um, but the whole I got married the next year. The whole time that I've been on the road, every day that I'm away, I want to have her with me. Like I, I meet yeah. all these amazing people. I do a ton of house shows. And so there's a lot more, um, uh, almost a sense of, I don't want to cheapen the word community because I, I do believe in community where you invest in people's lives. Um, but let's go with like friendship. Like mm-hmm. you make actual friends on the road. Absolutely. When you play that, those sort of house shows. It's not just like signing stuff at the merch table and like, see you later. And I will never remember you again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wanted it felt like I was living two lives. I had this road life with all these people that I would see once or twice a year. And then I would come home and I had my home life and like, I would have to sort of relearn like, Oh, you've, you've rearranged the living room or, Oh, you have a routine and you have friends and I don't know any of them. And, and you started uh, a new job or yeah. 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 And so I always wanted to have her with me. And then, then we had a child and then I wanted to have them both with me because then I'm gone and I'm missing these you know, moments of, Hey, it's Halloween and my child's dressed up as a freaking adorable penguin and I'm in Redlands, California. Right. Um, and so when I finished, I did a, uh, a really long tour that basically was a year on the road. I mean, I was, I'd be home for two, two weeks at a time and then I'd go out for another three or four and then home for two or three, but out for three, four, five weeks. And when I got home at the end of that tour, I just decided like, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. You travel um, by yourself in those yeah, parts? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I, I hate being away this much. I hate feeling like I'm renting a side of the bed from my wife and like, yeah. I feel like this is her house and I'm living in it and that sucks. And I'm having to relearn like, like, what have you learned in the five weeks that I've been gone? How, how's your life? Not just the five weeks in the series of five week trips right. in the last year. What, what's happened in your life? Like, how are you a person I'm married to? Um, and trying to explain the things that I learned on the road and it just, I, I'm not going to do it. Um, so I didn't know what was next. That was kind of when I started doing some baseball writing. We thought we might, um, there was one period where we thought we might buy a, an old theater, the theater that we got married in. I mean, just a lot of things that I thought we might do next that just didn't pan out. And, um, and then I had this new album that I wrote and that I had written and, uh, and I thought it was the best one that I'd done and I, I wanted to tour on it, but I wasn't going to do it that way anymore. So I just said, look, and by this time we, we had another baby. So we've got two kids and we were washing the dishes one night and I just, you know, we were having the, the conversation of what's our one year plan. What's our five year plan. What's, what are we doing with our lives? And I gave the best speech, Nick, that I've ever given in my life, we were, you know, with a dish towel in hand. <laughs> um, and I, I don't remember it verbatim, but it was something to do with, um, look, why don't we just why don't we just do this? We've always talked about you being on the road with me. I'm not going to travel without you again. I think this is my best record. Um, let's just, what, what's holding us back? Like, is it money? Do we want to, do we want to wait until we can afford to do this? And then like, I'll be 45 and we'll have kids in high school. Like, is, yeah. is that what we, they, then we can't do it either. Mm-hmm. And do we want to look back and go, we never did it because we were afraid of, of money situation. Like, let's try it. Let's do it for a year. Let's live in an RV. Let's sell everything we own. Startovers are fun anyway. And, and then if it sucks, it sucks and we'll quit, but at least we'll know. Right. And we won't have, this is, I will not regret doing this. Um, I might 
have to work harder later to overcome the financial implications of doing this, but I will never regret having done it. I can like hear like the swell of an orchestra. Oh yeah. I was like, I was, I was JFK. I was Barack Obama. I was Martin Luther King. Just like you were Bill Pullman at the end of Independence Day. Yes. Yes. So you will not go quietly into the night. (laughs) It was amazing. And, and I wish I had recorded it. Um, but, but yeah. And, and at the end of the speech, I just stopped and thought, well, all right, that was a line in the sand. Let's see what happens. And she said, okay. And that was the whole, and there was this pregnant pause. And I went, uh-huh. like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Can you repeat oh, that? Okay, like you heard me and you want me to stop talking or okay, let's do it. She's like, okay, let's do it. Awesome. So that was, uh, <laughs> I think, August. And then in October of 2013, we bought the RV. I had never owned an RV. I had only been in a couple of them. I had no idea what I was doing. There's so much you have to know to not break an RV. Yeah. Um, and I did break it a couple times. <laughs> And yeah, we, we moved in, it was the end of February of last year. So it's, um, we, we did, I've been homeless for over a year now. We did went, you sell your house or did you, we were, were you renting? We were, we were renting. Okay. Anyway. So, um, we did, we hit 45 States last year. Most of them we hit twice. Uh, and then, and oh, then I could, did a little you couldn't more. couldn't just make it an even 50. You couldn't like I know, I wanted to. Jump it's and... really hard to get the RV to either Alaska or Hawaii. What? And, I haven't heard this. And there's it's not the first much, I'm hearing of this. not much happening in Montana or Nevada. And yeah. I don't remember the last, oh, North Dakota is the other one we didn't hit. Yeah. So like whoever goes to North Dakota. I don't, not many people. I've, I have like maybe four, maybe five states that I haven't played a show in at all. Uh-huh. And I want to hit those at some, I was like, maybe this will be the year that I like hit. Yeah. And it's North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. It's like all like yep. up there in the. But at least they're bunched together. Mine are like. It's true. My, like North Dakota, Montana. Great. But then Nevada. And yeah, Alaska. So that you never played in Las Vegas. No. Oh man. I've never been to Las Vegas since I was a child. I went when I was a kid. My dad was a professional rodeo cowboy. What? Yeah. That's a real thing that happened for my childhood. And we would travel around doing, he was a, Oh, I'll, I'll one up that. He was a professional rodeo cowboy and an ordained home missionary to the rodeo cowboys. So this is so good. Yeah. So we would travel around and do church services at rodeos. That was my childhood. Wow. Yeah. But uh, we went to the national finals rodeos, like the Super Bowl of rodeo, a couple of years. But I was a child; like I remember a lot of bright lights and like being ushered away from the newsstands. And that's all. <laughs> so, what was the decision to go to Seattle? Um, was it another one of those like, listen, we don't do it now? Yeah, it kind of was. Uh, we had it narrowed down to Nashville or Austin or Seattle, and um, it, I'm sure probably mostly due to me traveling as much as I did, I felt like. Uh, Heather and I fell into a little bit of um, a life where we were kind of roommates here. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a sense that like a lot of people mean it where they use that as grounds for divorce. Right. But, but I just mean like we were talking about people we would miss here and we had some in common. um, But then there were a lot of people that were like my music friends and there were a lot of people who like her work friends. And I realized like we've, yeah, I sort of did my thing and you did your thing and we peaceably existed and, and living in a tiny box for a year, you know, we've gotten a lot closer and we want to really be intentional about living a life together, mm-hmm. um, wherever it is that we go. And so we thought it would be really easy if we came back here to sort of fall back into our various camps. And, um, and so for now, I mean, we, we figured that that's a good enough reason to like, it should be someplace new. It's really interesting because this is sort of the time in life when a lot of people are like digging roots and they're holding down and like, a, a, this is like a 25 year old oh, thing. Yeah. Look, so, I'm, I'm and, so I, and I say this in the best way, like that's so 
inspiring and sort of just to I thought you were going to go with immature, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I chose the I word that I used uh, <laughs> carefully, but it, but it, it does. It, it, it'd be so easy, I'm sure, for you to just, you know, lay down root somewhere and stay there forever instead of sort of being like, no, let's let's actually get to know ourselves as we're getting to know yeah. a new part of like and like it's it's a very evolved state. I'll say it this way to sort of view your immediate family, your wife and your kids as home mm-hmm. instead of like four walls. Right. And I'm, I'm sure being in an RV for a year has taught you that as well. Yeah. Which is crazy because that thing feels more like a home to me than any house we've ever lived in. Really? Because that was always the dream for me. That's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be on the road playing shows. I wanted my family with me. You really can't have it all. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's crazy though is it's not utopia. Clearly, you're living in a 24-foot RV with, at the time, a one-year-old and a Mm -hmm. four-year-old. Well, he he had just turned five. He's about to turn six. Okay, so he has a job now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he does actually help me set up my gear for shows. It's great. That's adorable. Um, but for the first <laughs> month, I felt like I didn't have permission to have a bad day, because this is this thing that I wanted. This was my my holy grail, Ooh. and so my bad days were so much worse because I didn't feel like I had permission to have them. And um, and one day we were in Nebraska, and I. Uh, Holland, our daughter, she hadn't slept much throughout the night, so we were like really cranky, and I was trying to make coffee, and we found out later there was just a uh, air bubble in the gas line, but I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get the stove to turn on. I can't even make coffee, and you know, daughter's crying, my mm. son's talking to me about Legos or <laughs> Minecraft or something like that's just wholly inappropriate for the situation. <laughs> and um, you know, Heather's also having a bad morning, and I'm just like, like I just want to start punching the air or myself or whatever is in the way of my fist. I just want right. to start swinging. Right. And I just went, I'm going to get coffee. And I just <laughs> left. And which is horrible. So I just left Heather in the situation. Yeah. Like I, I bailed out on, on the sinking ship and went, see you guys later. And I walked over to a diner and, uh, and I got two cups of coffee and, and I'm not proud of this, but there was a, a guy that was smoking outside and I'm like, dude, can I just borrow a cigarette? Like, I'm not Ben by bar. I'm not going to give it back. Can I just have a cigarette? And, um, and I sat down on the, on the sidewalk and, um, and I was drinking my coffee and, and smoking and uh, you know, don't smoke. It's like the grossest thing ever. That first cigarette ever, but like, wait, you, you aren't a smoker. You never smoked before. Uh, I have in the past, okay, but okay. like if you haven't for a long time. Right. Okay. Um, and I just, uh, I went, this is so gross, but I'm going to, I'm smoking down I'm doing this. And it was just this rebellious state of like, I'm going to be yeah. as bad as I want to be. And I'm going to say swear words. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I was calming myself down and it was, I, I hesitate to say, I, I always get a little suspicious when people say, and God spoke to me and said, right. Because I don't know if this is something that God would, I don't know if he is as sarcastic as this, but he, he but the, the phrase that I, that I had in my head was, Oh, so this is where your comfort comes from. Caffeine and nicotine, huh? That's going to make everything better. <laughs> I don't need this right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can we talk about this later? And, uh, yeah, I stubbed out the cigarette and walked back to the, to the RV. And of course, first thing Heather is just like, you, you stink. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why are you, who are you? And, uh, but it was, it was like this sort of epiphany that I realized like, you know what? I, we're going to have some bad days. Yeah. And I can either have a bad day here 
doing the thing that I've always wanted to do, or I could have a bad day being stuck and feeling unfulfilled and working a job that I hate. Like bad days are gonna come. And just to admit like, okay, I'm having a bad day. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. I, I forgot that I was allowed to do that, but I am allowed to do that. It's just bad. And tomorrow can't be as bad or maybe it'll be worse, but it can't, they can't all be bad days. In the meantime, if I'm gonna have a bad day, I'm gonna do it doing this thing that I've always wanted to do. I pack up my songs I drag them behind me I whisper them down Till I'm empty again Especially in the line that we're of work that we do, because we we kind of won the lottery already. Oh yeah, because we get to do this thing that people will pay us to do, and we it's what we always wanted or whatever. <clears throat> I feel like that's huge, and that's most of my I I'm always qualifying it when I'm when I'm trying to vent about this job to right. friends that aren't right. musicians. Yeah, like I feel like they're looking at me like really, mm -hmm. really okay. Yeah, oh, really, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, you're having a real bad day. Like, <laughs> exactly. They have bad days too, and that, they're allowed that, to. Yes, yeah. and that, that, that's because there is no sort of perfect scenario right. that because removes we, that. Because we are flawed human beings living on the same planet. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's no, yeah, I, I can't even think of like any, that's a good example, Brad and Angelina, but like, it, that's why I love like having my musician friends that like there's a giant caveat already, sure. unspoken, yeah. that like, I just need to get this out really quick. <laughs> Yep. So like let I oh just I need you to know that I know that that what I have is great, but also this is really obnoxious. Right. This is pissing me off today or whatever. Well, it is. and and going back to the to the conversation we had about like just deciding like okay I'm gonna be me and that's okay. Yeah. Just sort of unapologetically going okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preface this with yes I know there are people starving yes I know there are people that have worse than me like yeah I recognize my privilege and I hope you know me well enough to know that I recognize my privilege but. It does not mean that this doesn't suck today. Exactly. This sucks. And I don't, I'm not asking you to fix it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying this sucks. I need to acknowledge that this sucks because when I do, it takes some of the power out of it. And I realize, absolutely. It, okay, it's going to be better tomorrow. And that's, yeah, that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned on this whole spirit quest this year. Was yeah. Just like, it's okay. It was the same, similar to the way that I dealt with being diagnosed with depression is to finally like stop pretending nothing's wrong, go in and I got the diagnosis and just went, okay, that's, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have brain cancer. I'm yeah. Not, yeah. You know, I'm not broken in some unique way that no one has ever been broken before. Um, I, I just, 
it's just depression and that's that we have ways to deal with this. So I have the option of medication yeah. if I want it, or I can choose not to, I'm not, I've never been uh, like suicidal. It's never been that, that level of danger. I'm mm-hmm. just in danger of like staring at the ceiling all day. Some days for some reason, putting a name on it or like getting, you know, depression with a capital D, like you mm-hmm. see, like it, it, for some reason that deflates the whole thing a little Cause bit. At least yeah. Now you sort of have like something to combat be like, mm-hmm. oh well, it's this. Yeah, I, I know how to fight this. Yeah, it's it's much easier to fight a, a defined thing than it is to just blindly swing at this general existential malaise that you're not sure what it is. Yeah, if, you, if I don't look at it, I think subconsciously, if I don't look at it, it doesn't exist. But mm-hmm. really, the way it is, if I don't look at it, I don't know how big it is. It might be really big and scary. Yeah. I did that today with like, I was like, I need to check the bank account, but I'm so terrified that there's right. something that I forgot that went through and I'm going to be, it's going to put me in a bad mood. So I'm just not going to look at it. Right. It's still bad. If it's, it's bad, exactly it's bad. the same amount. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me. Like I don't have control over that at all. It's right. anything with like, man, my, this tooth is killing me. Right. But if I go to the dentist, it'll be uncomfortable and maybe expensive and maybe expensive, yeah. but I could just keep ignoring it and right. it'll keep getting worse. You know, it's yeah. so dumb what our little brains think we can control. And right. we can't. Well, and I, it, part of that is like, you know, I had, when I was in, in Europe walking around, my, I was convinced that I had a, uh, a stress fracture in my foot. It mm-hmm. hurt so bad I could barely walk. And I just went, I'm not going to get it checked out. It's going to be fine. And it was. <laughs> and, and I, you know, 90% of the things, if, that we do that with if we just ignore it it's going to be fine yeah usually it is but um but yeah it's just a matter of delineating between things that you know w- at what point do we go okay I-, I need to deal with this like i'm sad today i can probably ignore that yeah i'm sad for the last year go get it checked out man maybe not a great <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i had that recently with just i always take this time of year off from the road and cause it's miserable to try to tour yeah. right now. And for years I would be like, no January I'm hitting the road. And if it's just miserable, yeah. nobody's coming out to shows. Nope. Sometimes you don't get to the shows cause of the weather. Right. So, but so now I'm like, I'm going to take January, February to write. Yeah. And, but forgetting that every year I get like seasonal effectiveness disorder. Mm-hmm. October for me. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. It does just a general malaise sort of takes over and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, maybe I'll never write another song again. Yep. I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. Clearly like the universe is telling me, yeah, no, you're just, you haven't seen sunlight in 10 days right. straight and it's bitter cold outside. And you know, there's a whole science behind it. You're not special. I've been really thinking about chasing my dreams of never getting off this couch. As a I, career. I really want to eat like a box of cereal a day and watch a whole season of Mad Men. That's really what I want in life. I'm uh, making it happen. <laughs> I'm going to listen to some real old Radiohead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And, uh, I'm gonna listen to the Eternal Sunshine soundtrack and just sit in my car. <laughs> is that why you do the podcast? So you just don't have to leave the house? Like people it's will come the greatest. by. Why are you not on the couch? It's you the should just greatest. be here. <laughs> it, it really is. I used to do this in a in a studio that uh, I use across town, and then I just was like, I could just buy gear and not leave the house. Just have people come here. Yeah, I'm agoraphobic. I haven't left the house in, in ten weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I smell this way. Oh, uh, well, we're, we're sort of uh, gearing towards the end, I guess. Okay. I have a few questions that I want to ask you. Okay. Uh, that I that I ask everybody at the end of the, the episode, just to line it up. Where to go? Oh, phone. There you are. Oh, wait. I'll ask you one of these. I do this thing where 
I've been doing the podcast a lot lately. It's it's become a weekly thing, so I'm constantly just like something will pop in my brain, and I'm like, I won't remember this if I don't. It's like songwriting ideas or right. whatever. So I, I kept a, a list of things that I should bring up to whoever's on next. Okay, these are things that popped in my brain, and I want to. So these hear are it. not like specifically directed at me. They no, are just not at all. Okay. These are things that I was like, oh boy, this might be interesting to ask somebody right. sometime. Uh, <laughs> do you have? This goes into the mystique thing a little bit. Do you struggle at all with like imposter syndrome? Do you know what I mean by that? Mm -mm. Like, do you think occasionally or more than occasionally they're like, I'm a fraud. People have no idea. Yeah. Every, does does everybody not? I think some people like sick people don't, don't don't tell me that everybody doesn't because it took me a long time to come to the conclusion. Like I'm okay because everybody feels this way. So if this is, I think you're the only one (laughs) I talk to everybody, Levi, you're the only Uh, one. Yeah, of course I do. I think Uh, that's a, I, for a long time I thought it was a thing that only artists dealt with, but it's, I think it's everybody. Yeah. Everybody doesn't have it figured out. Well, that's, that's the truth. But I think there's sort of, I think people, I've met people who are very comfortable and they're not having it figured out. Yeah. And I'm sort of getting to that point where I'm like, I think the journey is kind of everything. Maybe we should just yeah. keep, you know, instead of trying to have everything figured out. So I hit a sweet oh, spot. When life. I was young, I loved to be right. And I loved to know. And if I didn't know, like I would take my best guess with all of the confidence and own that, it that I knew. stick to and, it. Oh yeah. Um, but I hated being wrong so much. And eventually I, I came to the point where I just went, look, it doesn't make me look stupid to just say, I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah. That's so much better than I definitely know, probably. And then you've, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have that problem where I will make us for a long time, especially with my like faith structure, mm-hmm. I would, I would just regurgitate something that I heard mm-hmm. a smart person say. Mm-hmm. And if, and like pray there wouldn't be a follow-up question because right. I didn't have an answer for the follow-up question. Yeah. You know, somebody, it was basically like one sheet paper deep, like, oh, what, you know? Yeah. Like I was Bible quiz champ when I was in second grade. Yeah, me too. Like, oh, I yeah. did that. Yeah. I knew I, Look, when I was 15, I had an answer for any problem ever that the world could ask. Like growing up in a preacher's home and in church three times a week, like I knew the party line for everything. But when that started to fall apart for me, um, and maybe that was where all of this came from, is like when that when that started to fall apart, and I had to admit, like I don't know anything. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's a God. How about that? Let's start there. And um, see, I love those types of conversations though because that opens up. Yeah. So much like to your imagination and so much just Absolutely. well the the question that the the gal we're at the end and now we're getting to the good stuff um, <laughs> it's fine we can the go question along. that galvanized it for me was uh was like look either there is a god and he is god and he can handle these questions because i know i'm not smart enough to come up with something to stump him exactly or there is no god in which case why am i so afraid of asking these questions true like it's okay and for over a year i struggle i mean i i'm, I'm still learning um but for over a year, I struggled, like not knowing. We we still went to church. I still had church friends, like, but I just didn't know what I believed at all. And and um, was reading and reading about you know philosophy, reading some apologetics, reading atheist writings, reading yeah. about space, like weird, just whatever I could find, just Love it. bringing it all in. And um, it was the Fourth of July. It was when our son was, um, I think he just turned one, and we were trying to get him to go to sleep. And we were at a friend's house and we wanted to stick around for this 4th of July celebration. But this you know, baby and he's crying and he's like throwing a fit. Ruining it for everyone. Right. And so head we're anyway. going to have to go home or he's going to have to fall asleep. It's going to be one of the two. So there was a hammock and I laid down in the hammock with him and I 
you know, I'm in the hammock. I have nothing to push off of to make it swing. <laughs> so I stick my right leg up in the air and just begin to swing it back and forth, right to left, mm -hmm. as wide as I can go with my inflexible hips. And, <laughs> and before long, the hammock started to swing. And in a couple minutes, he fell asleep. And we're laying there in the hammock. And it was, um, it was like somebody put a flash drive of information into my head. And all of a sudden, I knew a lot of things. And it took me the next half an hour to just unpack everything that I had just learned. And it was this, um, I don't know enough about math and physics to explain why when I stick my leg in the air and swing it back and forth, it makes the hammock swing. I, I get the basics, um, but I don't know, you know, there's the, the math of gravity. There's these, there are angles. There's, you know, all of this motion of body in motion can just say emotion. And like, there's math, math could explain it. Somebody could come in and answer all these questions. Yeah. The fact that I don't know all that math does not prevent me from sticking my leg up in the air and swing. A monkey could do that, you know? Uh, monkeys drink alcohol. I don't know why that's <laughs> pertinent to this story, but it is. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah. For real. Um, anybody, anybody who's been on the planet for a while knows children know. You, you stick a limb up in the air and swing it back, you're going to swing back and forth. We can function in what we know, even if we don't know it all. Um, mm. And and it was like... You, the you could spend the next year of your life studying advanced physics and you could break this down and diagram it and there would be nothing wrong with that. You could do that. That's information. That's great. You could explain it to other people why it worked. That's fantastic if that's yeah. what you want to do with your life is to ask questions about this for as long as it takes to figure it out. In the meantime, get some sleep. You know, put your leg up and swing it. Function in what you know so you can get some rest. And um, I mean, I just like, I'm, I'm even emotional talking about it now. That, like first preach, tears. And, uh, and just going like, it, there's nothing wrong with asking these questions about who God is or where we, what he wants from us or what version of God is, is the right one. And, and it's fine. Explore that. Ask these questions for as long as you want. Figure it out. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the meantime, function in what you know. And what I know is when I believe and when that is the, the center of my, of my um, actions, I'm happier. And when I don't, when I explore that, that path of we, we're just this cosmic accident and then it gets real dark for me because yeah. there's no point of morality from yes, on a grand scale there is, but for me, there's not. Why would I ever, exactly. why would I ever be faithful to my wife? Why would I put in the time to raise my, why? Because when I die, I want to be remembered well by, right. by who other people that are going to die. And yeah, hundred years, all new people. Yeah. You know? What so, are we leaving? Yeah, and so that gets really dark for me, and and I think a lot of the struggles that I have had with depression are from exploring that side of things, and like when I'm able, and I don't know, maybe maybe there is nothing to it. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Maybe when we die, that's it. But if that's the case, I'm okay with being happier while I'm alive. I'm fine with that. Because if, if that is it, why not just be happy and full of wonder now? Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna provide a better me to this universe even if that matters or doesn't matter um and faith is crazy I, I find more beauty now in a faith that doesn't pretend to know but instead says no i don't know but um but i choose to believe yeah because this is better i can at least have evidence that this is better and some days that's enough and other days it it does feel more real and it does feel like you would expect it to be as a believer and like, yes, I have a relationship with our Lord and Savior right. Jesus Christ. Some days that doesn't feel like a relationship, but it, it still feels better than this really nihilistic place that I have the ability to go to. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that's so imposter syndrome. So you don't feel like a. So <laughs> 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 I love I love that like a simple question like that can well, not a simple question but a question like that can where it can make it, the brain go tangentially. Yeah. and that was just just admitting that I don't know. I think is where that went, which is all I ever wanted from a lot of people that I grew up with. Like just admit that you. Say that I don't know. Like yeah. that may, that would make me feel better because it's, you know, instead well, of yeah, fighting for if something. If your parents know everything, then when you become an adult and you don't know everything, you're like, man, what went wrong with me? Welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did I get this screwed up? Yeah. I, I thought you were supposed to know everything by now. Yep. And um, that's one of the things I really hope to project to my son is like, I don't, I don't know everything. I'm still super confused. I know more than you. Because <laughs> so you should listen to me. you're five and I'm in charge. But... But I don't know everything. And no, you never know everything. That's why you keep learning forever. Yeah. yeah. That's that's amazing. I actually just released like the last 10 minutes of the podcast and that would be <laughs> worth it. it. Uh, all right. The Cut lightning... out all the baseball talk. And we'll <clears> yeah, no, we don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Lightning round questions. These are okay. don't have to be answered quickly, but I will shoot them at you okay. as fast as I can. Do you okay. have a surprising musical influence? Something that people would be like, really? Levi? Is influenced by that dude or this band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's a rapper called Astronautalis. That Astronautalis? Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. I would think that it was like for some reason I knew I knew it was gonna be hip hop for some reason. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love I love the cleverness of of the lyric writing. Me too. Hip hop. It's it's a it's the best lyrics that are happening right now. I'm never more excited to write my songs than after I like gone on a jog to like a hip hop record or something. Oh yeah. Because it's so so much is happening so quickly yeah. that you can't even take it all in. Yeah. But you know that you're and like, this is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and I'll listen to, ch- oh, here's even more surprising, like Childish Gambino. Mm, me too. His songs are so foul. Like, it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, Content yeah. wise, it's nothing I would ever write about. But just. But the, the references the he makes. Word and like, play and yeah, clever, word, the wordplay is like a fine steak, man. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's so really if I can incorporate writer. some of that with some of the depth of, you know, like a me without you. Um, or, and then the the melodic beauty of, um Oh, like a Foy Vance or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Damien Rice, the, the, the rawness of a Damien Rice. Oh, I like, love Damien Rice. If I could just combine all of those things, I would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the goal to take like all the influences that make us feel the deepest things yeah. and try to extract what they made us feel into what we make, what we make yeah. others feel, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, Damien Rice just, he makes me feel sad in the best ways. Like mm-hmm. he, when I really want to like just sink into melancholy, I listen mm-hmm. to his early stuff, especially it's just like, yeah. I feel so sorry for him, but at the same time, I'm in awe of him. Yeah. It's so oh, yeah. strange. Uh, what do you associate with the name Keith? My youth pastor from when I was 13. He had a mustache, believe it or not. Of course. If your name is Keith and you don't have a mustache, you need to do some soul right. searching. Yeah. Every Keith, you're born with a mustache. <laughs> I don't I, know any Keiths under the age of 40. Uh, there's a reason for he that. Was, he was in his mid-20s at the time. And uh yeah, Keith and Lori Lau were their names. Love it. And I, I think he was born at 25 with a mustache. He was just like, <laughs> came out and was like, all right, he's hey. Like, the, like that Will Ferrell SNL sketch where he's born a fully grown man and yeah. he just comes out mustache. He has friends already on the yeah. outside. They come in. Yeah, he it's had he, had like, he was born with t-shirts in hand, like just throwing them out like, all right, guys, let's get pumped. <laughs> he was born with a t-shirt cannon. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, who is your first celebrity crush? Uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Nice. Which is so not surprising. And my wife actually gets Tiffany Amber Thiessen comparisons all the time. And I feel a little bit guilty. Like, did I do that on purpose? I think you might've, uh, you know, you, I, I say, you know, you either marry somebody who's like your mother or 
Timothy Amber Thiessen. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's a very famous saying. Uh, <laughs> what do you say during soundcheck? Uh, you I, have a go-to? I, I, so because I have loop pedals, I wish I could give you the, uh, the, the rundown here. But so it, it's still a lot of mic check one, two, one, two, but it's sort of looped on top of each other. And it, I try to make it a different chord structure every time because I might get a melody idea while True. I'm doing it. And so it's always just like about a five or six second loop of guitar. And then I'm checking the, the mic. So I've got three or four layers of harmonies of mic check one, two, yep. one, two, mic check one, two, one, two, mic check one, two, one, So when two. somebody just walks in, they're like, is there an acapella group? Like, right. Sing- I didn't realize we were doing a barbershop show here tonight. <laughs> That's true. I, I do a lot of a lot more than I even realize, like writing during soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's a little like window into there's pressure because there there's a small amount of people watching you, mm-hmm. and so you can you can muster up that like creative adrenaline. Yeah, you know you get you know. Have you ever written on just written a song on stage like, not introduced the song but just been like I'm just gonna see what comes out right now nope. even if it's like thirty seconds or whatever. I am not that brave. I've only done it real. It never works out, but yeah. Well, I'm glad I've never. <laughs> Every tried once it, in a while, I'm like, "What if I just start playing something and see what happens?" Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not good enough at freestyling. I don't recommend it, but every once in a while, it's it, if you want to step onto that ledge. It's, yeah, no, uh, it's no. interesting. I have done the thing where, with one of those loops that I recorded, I'm like, I've got the RC50 loop pedal, mm-hmm. so it's got 99 channels. So I've done the thing and where a bitch ain't one. Yeah. <laughs> Like this, this is good. I'm going to, I'm going to go save this to channel 12 and just like save it so that I can revisit it. Later. Yeah. Like that's smart. Put words. In fact, the, the song that I wrote, um, the, 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 the Mars chocolate mm-hmm. had, was one of those I was rehearsing and had a different idea. And so I just recorded this, uh, melody. And that was it. Like, that was, the, that's going to be something. Yeah, that's cool. I'm keeping that. And I, it sat in my loop pedal for a year and nothing happened to it waiting for future you to come around yeah. when you're inspired uh what was your first memory of the internet <laughs> uh i was 16 and we were at my aunt and uncle's house and they had aol and we would get on the aol chat rooms and just troll people like we would say <laughs> the most horrible things to people not realizing that like this is my aunt and uncle's username. Yeah. Like, this is the, no, we just hop on it. Cause do you remember AOL chat rooms? Of course. Yeah. You just like find a topic, jump in. Yeah. And nobody would be speaking. Like four people would be really upset that nobody was staying on topic. And, I know. And everyone else would just be like, yeah, well your butt is made of poop. And <laughs> yeah, well, that was your you, mom, like me and your mom. And yeah. Just, Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Run uh, out. Yeah. yeah. Eight zero zero eight. You know, you have calculator a whole humor. keyboard. You can just write boobs. Why I know. You don't have to eight do zero zero eight. <laughs> Maybe that's all Kanye was trying to do with eight zero eights and heartbreak. Heartbreaks. He was trying to write boobs on a Bob, calculator. Bob's, Bob's and heartbreak. <laughs> Maybe that was the the original idea was like an upside down calculator, <laughs> and uh, it's somebody at the label was like, no, no, we're not. Uh, let's run with this some other way. Okay, we always end the podcast with uh, the guest telling a memorable hopefully in a bad way, a show story that just went horrible, whether it was your fault or the venue's fault. Mm. Is there, when somebody's like, what's the worst gig you ever played? Is there one that like pops in your brain? You've played a lot, especially in the last year. Okay. Can I give you one short, bad show story and one longer story? Yes. Okay. Short, bad story. Nobody came. Like it was me and the guy and his two friends. And I didn't, I set up everything and I just didn't play. We just, hung out for the night. He's yeah. Like, you don't have to play. It's okay. And they gave me oh, like, it's, it's worse when they're like, 
but we came. We wanted to hear you play, and right. then you feel like a dance monkey dance. Right, right. Yeah. They, I mean, they gave me like eighty bucks, which was nice. And eighty? Yeah. That's a miracle. I know. Uh, <laughs> sent me along my way, um, and I feel bad saying that's the worst because he's such a nice guy, and I've done yeah. a few shows at his house, and. All of them were great except that one. And I think it's yeah. just, I maybe came too many times in a year is probably what happened. That's a huge lesson to learn. Yeah. So that was my fault. Uh, Dan, if you're listening, it was not your fault. Thank you for we the love you, Dan. Thank you for the $80. <laughs> um, okay, so this may be too long to, to put in the podcast. I don't know. But no way. I, I had a 20-hour layover in Istanbul this when I was over there. Jeez. And for 20 bucks, you can buy a transit visa and leave the airport. So I paid, okay. paid the 20 bucks. I got a hotel. My flight landed at 1030. So by the time I got to the hotel, it was midnight. And what I should have done is gone to bed. It's midnight. You're what gonna, you did do. Yeah. What I did do was like, I've only got one night in Istanbul. Like, I'm going to go see if I can grab a snack and maybe drink and just like see this, just this neighborhood. Like, I yeah. don't want to wander around. I'm just going to see the neighborhood. Right. So I pop into this place and I meet this guy he's from South Korea and we sit and we hang out for like two hours. It was really great. We're like Facebook friends now. It's It was, you know, oh, wow. it was good night. It was two o'clock. Should have gone to bed. <laughs> uh, other guy comes in and he's, you know, we, we talk for half an hour, 45 minutes and he's, he's from Serbia. He says his name is Jimmy. Um, that's not his real name, but his real name is complicated. So Jimmy it is. <laughs> As we talk, he's like, man, look, if, if you've only got one night in Istanbul, I've got this place you got to go. It's my favorite place and it's open till like 6 a.m. So let's just go. Like, it's my favorite place in all of Istanbul. It's so cool. And I'm like, it's really late. But again, I've got one night. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of an adventure hound anyway. Like, this could be fun. Like, let's just go see this guy's place. It sure is. It can't be far. He's hanging out here. Surely his favorite place isn't far away. I was wrong. <laughs> we walked, we walked about 15 minutes and then he hails a taxi. And we drive 20 minutes east in this taxi. So we've made an investment now. Yeah, for real. Um, we get to the place, and it's not cool, by the way. It is terrible. Um, it's like a it terrible dance club. You walk in, and it's just <laughs> lights are everywhere, and it's, you know, <laughs> it's just terrible. And I don't want to be, it's fairly empty. And so we, we sit down, and the, the waiter brings us a, a round of drinks and the, and then, and then these two girls sit down next to us. And I remember thinking like, this is weird. Like I, I, I've never had this sort of thing happen before. Um, what was weird about it? Or the, just the, the vibe? The, 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 yeah. The vibe was weird. The club was fairly empty and these two girls sat down by us. Mm. Like there were plenty of other tables they could have sat at. And, um, so I do this casual thing when I'm when I'm in a setting where I think that my singleness could be misinterpreted, um, or rather that my marriedness could be misinterpreted yeah. as singleness, where I take my wedding ring, and you can't see on the podcast what I'm doing, but I'm pretending to hold a glass, and I will clink my ring on the glass, just casually. Make a slight noise, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, as I'm, you know, casually mention wife at some point, and hold my drink with my left hand, and like, oh yeah, cool, and gesture mm -hmm. as you're like smiling at somebody, like, cool, make sure this wedding ring is visible, because you don't want to make it seem like you're available, but you also don't want to be the arrogant guy that starts a conversation with, by the way. Listen, nothing's going to happen, ladies. I know you cannot resist this, however, <laughs> I'm spoken for. So, um, so I'm ready to go, like. We sit in small talk for like an hour and, and um, I'm ready to go. And another round of drinks comes. I'm like, oh man, like I, I didn't want to insult Jimmy and his favorite bar by saying this sucks. I want to go home, but yeah. it sucked and I wanted to go home. <laughs> and uh, sorry, Jimmy. Yeah. Like, okay. But like, 
uh, but I gotta go like this no no more after this because we I, I gotta I gotta leave and I, don't, I didn't even get into the second drink because the waiter comes heard I need to leave walks by and he goes uh, he's got the ticket and he goes that, that's a 3,000 lira and in my mind I'm, I start to do math I'm like I, the conversion rate is only a, less than three to one holy crap this is about $1,300 is that right Th yeah and uh, and I realized like, oh, I've been scammed. Like that's what's happening here. And I can either freak out right now when I'm outnumbered inside this club, mm -hmm. or I can play it cool and see what happens. So I decided that was the better of the two. Neither option is good, but I'll go with the yeah. second one. So I pull out my wallet as if the money's gonna magically appear, and of course it doesn't. I'm like, oh crap, actually, uh, I haven't been to an ATM yet. Do you guys have an ATM machine here that we could go to? And I don't have the money. It's not a matter of I don't want to give them the money. It's yeah. I literally mathematically do not possess this money. There's no way they're going to get it from me. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So uh, he goes, give me your card. And I think if I give him my card, he's going to find out, A, that it's declined and I don't have it. And then he's just going to keep running it until he finds out how much is in there and take it all. Um, so I'm like, man, I, look, no offense. I'm in a new country. I don't really know anybody here. I'm not super comfortable with giving you my card, but I'm good for it. Like it's pricey, but it's fine. I lied. Um, That's so for one drink. Yeah. Well, you know, one drink each for me and him. And I guess the girls had a drink, which okay. I suppose was on our tab, but still like certainly not $1,300 oh worth of drink. Gosh. Uh, so I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'm like, I, I can do it, but I just need to go to an ATM. I'll just pay you in cash. If that's cool. Okay. Come with me. So he walks me down the stairs and I think like we're either going to an ATM or I'm dying. I know you're here with me right now. I'm yeah. terrified for you in the right, story. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I know how it works out. I, I even, I've told this story 50 times since it happened. I still get a little adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, so thank God. The Is ATM... this your real leg? You have a prosthetic yeah. on yeah, because no, they took real. your shins. Um, so we, <laughs> thank God the ATM is outside. So we, we walk across the street and he is shoulder to shoulder with me. Yeah. And as we're walking across the street, I just sort of casually to try and keep things light. I'm like 3000 lira for for just a couple of drinks like that. That seems a little steep. Is that the usual price in town? I know it's not the usual price yeah. in town. I'm just making conversation. He goes, yes, but uh, this price is for the drinks, but also for the, the girls. And I'm like, I was right. This was yep. terrible. I've been hanging out with uh. prostitutes. Not the way that Jesus did. In, <laughs> in the way that some idiot would because he doesn't know any better. And I, like I did a tour last year with Jenny and Tyler mm -hmm. that was that was sponsored by international justice mission right. like man if ijm could see the frontline work that i've been doing tonight <laughs> they would be so ashamed of me uh, so we get to the atm and i'm sort of fumbling with my wallet and i think okay at this point like i'm outside i have two options i can fight or i can run because that that's it like and this dude looks better at fighting than running <laughs> so I'm watching him out of my peripheral as I'm fumbling with my car, like, and he casually turns his head to the right. So if he's facing the ATM, mm -hmm. the, the club is at about his four o'clock. Okay. And he just casually turns around to look at the club. And as soon as I saw his head move, I freaking bolt. And I'm just like tearing it down the street in Istanbul at like five in the morning. And he, I, I get about a three step head start on him. And this is when I think I've got a stress fracture in my foot too. So like I'm in pain. <sighs> And I'm running and I, he's chasing me and he's yelling at me in Turkish. And I'm just like, uh, two thoughts run through my head. One is, does he have a gun? Yeah. And so I'm kind of doing s slight swerving motions, mm -hmm. but not enough to slow me down. 
And two is that they might be giant song. Istanbul, Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul. Like, no, 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 no. We will laugh about this later if we live. I know. Stop singing that song right now. Like, you just don't fall down. It's, it was raining. I'm wearing my boots that are fairly unlaced. And mm. so, and it's cobblestone streets. I'm like, just don't fall down. Like, just run. Focus. Like, run for your life. Yeah. Because if he catches you, there's no way he's going to, like, laugh about it and go, huh, good one, buddy. You almost got me. Now yeah. come back here and pay me. Like, I'm going to, I probably won't die, but I might. And I'm definitely getting everything on my person stolen if I stop. So absolutely run. So I found a taxi. The first taxi was, didn't stop. The second taxi finally stopped. And I was like, I blew all my chill back there, pretending to be cool on the walk to the ATM. Like I'm not chill right now. And so I I jump in the taxi, slam the door. I'm like, go, 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 go. And, uh, he's, like looking at me laughing he's like where are we going what i don't care just i don't care just away go, go, go. just and i'm like i know he doesn't speak english and i know i'm probably just screaming in unintelligibly so i'm like pointing with both fingers like yeah go 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 so he takes off thank god i've got a piece of paper in my in my pocket that has the address of the hotel for the first cab that i took from the from the airport so he he takes me to the hotel i've got enough cash on me to pay him i walk inside and then the, the thought occurs to me like did i tell jimmy where I was staying. We talked for three hours and I thought he was my friend. Mm. Um, what? Oh, oh no. Like how, what am I going to do? Is he going to show up? Right. Bang on the door. Right. So I slide my last 20 euros across the, the, the um, desk where the guy, the guy's working at the front desk. And I'm like, look, this is going to seem weird. But, um, if anybody asks for Levi tonight, Levi's not here. <laughs> and I like, slid Holy 20 crap, euros across dude. the thing. And he, he sort of chuckles. He's like, it's fine. I tell him, no, it's okay. And he slides my money back. It's Istanbul. We yeah, know. Yeah, we know. This we happens. We get it. And, uh, oh, you, you met Jimmy then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a regular thing. You think you're going to pay me more than Jimmy? He gets 1300 bucks a pop. If he wants to know where you are, he's going to be able to buy me. 20 euros. I exactly. scoff at you. Go back to your room and sleep for 10 minutes until they get here. Um, so I, did, I had a little, a small backpack was all I had with me because it was just a layover. All my luggage was checked to mm. Tel Aviv. Um, and so I like packed it up with most padded stuff closest to me and thought if if I hear a bang on the door, I'm on the second floor, I can jump. Mm. So I got my window Holy like crap. I've never gone to bed with that thought in my head. Well, yeah. <laughs> Neither did I. I stayed awake. Uh, I had the window open and I had my backpack packed. So I knew if I heard a bang on the I slept in my clothes. Like I knew if I heard a bang on the door, here's how I'm gonna swipe the bag into my arm, here's how I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna use the bag to tuck and roll, and then run to God knows where to run for my life with probably broken legs. And, um, and so I stayed up until about eight 30 in the morning and nobody came and I thought, well, okay, well if they haven't come by now, I'm probably okay. Yeah. Um, and, but even the next day, like I went to go see the Hagia Sophia and the blue mosque and like took pictures. And then I knew that I had told him what time my flight was. So I knew if he wanted to catch me on the way to the airport, he knew what time to expect me. So I left like an hour and a half early and like, if I can just get past security, then I'm going to be fine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the moment I got past security, it was kind of like, like I didn't collapse into tears and just crying and thanking God that I was alive, but I did thank God I was alive. As soon as I got through security, it was a huge breath of relief. Oh my gosh. I am never coming back to the city ever, like ever. (laughs) Every orbis in my body would just be leaking tears. Oh oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and and here's how I know I married the right girl. Like I video chat called her when I got back to the, like immediately Uh, got back to the hotel. I'm still like panicked and I'm like. I have a story I need to tell you. I, I, I cannot have the kids around while I tell you this story. I need to tell you something that happened. Call me. And uh, so we're on, on like FaceTime and I'm telling her this story. And here's how I know that, um, that I married the right girl. She did not freak out and start crying. 
Um, she did not yell at me for being an idiot, which she was well within her yeah, rights she to should've. do. <laughs> she knew that I knew. Um, she just made a face, which listeners will not be able to see, but you can. Um, I'll show you the face first and I'll explain. It was just this face like. <laughs> and like you sad son of a gun. Yeah, it was it was the look of like pursed lips, slow blinks, shaking your head like only you. I, I've married an idiot and I, <laughs> I love you, but you are the biggest idiot I've ever met in my life. Like that was the look. Now that I get got. home to me so I can accost you right. with a tire iron. Right. right. <laughs> so but it was it was great. And it's, you know now it's a good story because I'm alive. Exactly. And like, oh, yeah, I knew that it was going to end. Okay. But I was, yeah. that was, holy crap. Did you, I would love if you were like, I made that whole thing up because that no. sounds like you made it no, up. I know. I know. Like, Oh really? You ran from a pimp through the streets of Istanbul at 5 AM. Really? You did that? <laughs> yes, I actually did. Do you tell the story on stage or it depends on the crowd? If oh I'm playing gosh. at a church, it doesn't come. Yeah, I guess so. Because but, you never know what people's opinions... Like, for me, in fact, I sort of hesitated to tell it on this story because I know, like, maybe my parents are going to listen and, and they are still strict, like, teetotal, like, any drinking is bad. And this would be a good ammunition for them to be like, if you hadn't been drinking, this would never have happened. Well, yeah, my parents are that way too. Yeah. but so If they've if, made if, it all the way through this episode, like, good on them. Right, like, right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, hopefully the the clinking of my ring against the glass will give me. I think in this scenario, you are in complete effect. The only fault that I see is that you went with this dude to a place without finding out how far it was. You're innocent in every other takeaway. The the takeaway is don't jump into a taxi cab with Serbians named Jimmy in Istanbul at 4 a.m. You know, that's logical. That's the takeaway. You would think that in the time I would have taken, I don't know, inventory of my surroundings and went, no, probably not great. Uh, I'm not going to do this really scary thing. But at the time I'm like, yeah, it's probably fine. We've talked. See, about my, my mom is, is like a, is an alarmist in every sense of the word. So oh, yeah. she would think that this would be a thing that would happen to me when I was 16 and I was just running to Walmart. She's like, oh, really? you never know what can happen. You could probably get in a cab with, you know, like I was like, really? <laughs> we live in a small town in Arkansas. I think I'm okay. Yeah. But <laughs> so that was, that was the ammunition that my mom would oh, use. Oh man. Uh, that's amazing. Well, dude, so, yeah, that's not a show story, but it is a tour story. So. No, I, it was well beyond what I what I had hoped when I asked you. I had no idea that that was going to come out. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. And coming thanks. over in this in this rain, you should get used to this going to Seattle. This is I know. Be I know. I, I feel like I don't have permission to complain about the rain. As soon as we made the decision <laughs> about Seattle, like I can't yeah, complain about rain now. It's true. You you wanted this, Levi. Right. You you invited this on yourself. Thanks, man. And that does it for episode 74. <laughs> Wasn't that story insane? I'm still thinking about it. I will tell everybody that story I meet for the rest of my life. Uh, if you would like to check out uh, more music by Levi Weaver, which you absolutely should. Uh, he has albums on iTunes and Amazon uh, or a- anywhere music is sold digitally. Uh, plus, you can follow him on Twitter at Levi Weaver. Very entertaining gentleman on the Internet. Uh, or Facebook.com slash Levi Weaver. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, podcast, podcast. Uh, I'm learning to speak uh, right now at Who Writes Pod and also Instagram. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Who Writes Pod uh, plus Facebook.com slash Who Writes This Stuff. Thank you for listening. Uh, next week is the end of season three. It only took us a year and a half to get there. Uh, but for episode 74 and Who Writes This Stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Now go to something creative and stay out of his temple. Temple.